Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. First week of the series, we talked about the purpose of the kingdom is to bring heaven to earth. That every single believer is a citizen in the kingdom of God. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And uh, that we learn about what the kingdom is. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more today. And then the next week, we talked about the pathway to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so until we acknowledge our spiritual bankruptcy, we're not going to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But when we acknowledge we can't save ourselves, we're in need of a saviour, and we come to Jesus in faith and repentance, we are born again, we're born of the Spirit, we're in the kingdom of God. And then we learn about the priority of the kingdom, excuse me, and we learn about how Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't be anxious about the things of this world, but seek first the kingdom of God prioritize the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. That the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be an anxious-free zone, stress-free zone as it applies to trying to uh, uh, accumulate or trying to secure the temporary things of this world. It doesn't mean that if you come into the kingdom of God that you'll be without challenges and without tribulation. Jesus said in this world you're going to have tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we acknowledge that this lifetime is filled with challenges and suffering and fallenness. And yet we are promised that as we seek first the kingdom, these temporary practical things that we often are anxious and stressed about, Jesus says, I will make sure they get added to you. And then last week we talked about the power of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom is supernatural. We're a part of a supernatural kingdom, but that has, is supposed to have an earthly expression. And today I want to talk about the proclamation of the kingdom. So just like Sesame Street uh, today and this series is brought to you by the letter P. And so we've been going through good alliteration to help you remember it a little bit better. But I want to talk to you about the kingdom that we're called to proclaim. And I really believe that over the course of this year and moving forward, God would have me uh, preach and teach into all the different facets of the kingdom of God. In essence, this series begins a whole new season of kingdom focus for us as we move forward into our future together. Why don't you go with me to Luke chapter nine. I wanna read from verses one to six. And uh, I love this passage of scripture. It's got so much in it. And Luke 9 verse 1 says this, And Jesus called the 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Uh, Over the holidays, uh, like many families, we took our kids down to the beach and we love to holiday by the water. There's something about being around water that's very refreshing and renewing. And and, uh, so we took our kids down the beach and 
Uh, one of the things you notice quickly is where you enter the water is not necessarily where you exit because we tend to drift with the current and the distraction of all the fun that you have at the beach in the water. You sort of look back at where your towel is and where uh, you entered and you've drifted with the current. And I think the same thing can happen to us after we enter the kingdom of God. What often begins full of passion and boldness is often replaced over time with uh, complacency and over-familiarity with the gospel. And we can get sort of stuck in a rut. And over time, we, we can easily become distracted uh, by secondary things, trivial things. We become disillusioned by things that don't work out, that we were hoping for, believing for. Maybe we become offended, offended at people in the church, offended at the church. And, and, and where that passion and boldness was, it can be replaced by discouragement and despair and disillusionment. And there are lots and lots and lots of the church that used to be in the building that are not in the building that, that are in that place because they've allowed... Uh, the primary focus, the primary mission of every single believer to become a secondary focus because of an over-familiarity with the truth of the gospel and losing sight of the privilege and the essence of what they're a part of. Uh, some people call this mission drift, where we literally drift away from the mission, the purpose of every believer and of what the church exists for. And in 2009, I found myself in one of those seasons. I was leading a church along with my wife and I found myself in a season where there was some real discouragement and disillusionment and secondary things had become primary things. And you know that you're drifting away from the mission when you start to major on minors and minor on majors. Have you ever been there? Where you've been in a place and a season of your life and that which is of utmost importance becomes secondary to the trivialities of life and issues and challenges that we face. And I was in that rut. I was in that space. But I was invited to preach a gospel message at a Youth Alive event. And there was hundreds and hundreds of teenagers at this event. And a few minutes into me preaching the gospel, it's like I rediscovered the purpose of what being a believer was about. And all of a sudden, my spirit, my mind, my heart came into alignment with the truth of what I was declaring. And I was reminded in that moment by the Spirit of God that there is no greater message to herald and proclaim than the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And just a few moments after that, 92 young people thought the same because they came down the front and surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And as they came, I started to weep because I was reminded again that I had drifted away away from the core mission. I drifted away from the core purpose of every single believer. You see, one of the greatest privileges we have as believers is to tell others what Jesus has done in our lives. Paul said it like this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. That's really good theology to justify your next shoe purchase. It's what I use when I tell my wife I need to get new shoes. And so I believe that every Christian should invest in a good pair of shoes because every time you look at those shoes, you say, hey, today when I wear these shoes, I'm called to preach the gospel and to share the good news with someone in my life. It works for me up to this point. It may work for you. You see, the greatest solution to the world's greatest problem is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Matthew 24, 14 Jesus said, this gospel, which gospel? This gospel of the kingdom. 
will be proclaimed as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. You see, the world's greatest problem isn't COVID and it's not corruption in politics. The world's greatest problem is sin. Sin is rooted in our own self-centeredness and rebellion away from God's purpose and intention and design for our lives. Sin is to miss the mark. And the Bible says all of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark and we've all fallen short of God's original purpose and intention of glory, of the glory of God that He wants for us. And so as sin spread like a contagion across generations through Adam and Eve's disobedience in Eden, so too the gospel of the kingdom of God through Jesus spreads like an antidote or a vaccine through the same infected host called the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the Son of God, was patient zero of the kingdom of God. And when He breathed on the disciples, community transmission took place and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single believer in Jesus now becomes a carrier of the Kingdom of God, called to proclaim and demonstrate the power of the Kingdom in their everyday lives. So being a child of God not only comes with privileges, and there are many privileges to being a child of God, but also comes with purpose. It comes with a responsibility. And in verse one of this passage, we read that Jesus called the 12 disciples together and He gave them power and He gave them authority over all demons, over all the kingdom of darkness and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. The reason He chose 12, because He wanted it to be a picture of ministry to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why Jesus said to them, don't go to the Gentiles, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, The next chapter in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples. And this is a picture of Jesus declaring to the kingdom of darkness that just as the 72 nations at the Tower of Babel scattered across the earth and were dispersed in confusion and disunity, so too Jesus was saying, I'm sending 72 out to restore and reclaim what was lost at the Tower of Babel to actually be restored by the power of the Kingdom of God on the earth. And so now Jesus sends us as His followers, as disciples, just as Jesus gathered and then scattered the disciples, we gather together in this forum on a Sunday, in life groups, in prayer meetings, in fellowship settings. We gather together to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But you need to understand we scatter together to proclaim the Kingdom of God. If all we do is gather, but we don't scatter together. Notice the disciples didn't just gather together, they scattered together. The 72 not only gathered together, they scattered together. Two by two, Jesus sent them out, which means don't do this kingdom life on your own. 
You need people in your corner. You need people speaking into your life. You need to, to, to be on mission with others in partnership, in unity. And, and often uh, in, in uh, sort of modern church, particularly in a Western culture, we've made our faith so individualistic. We're disconnected and isolated from each other in a season like we've just gone through and are still very much in, perpetuates this isolation. And that is not how God has designed you to live. It's not good for people to be alone. We should be in relationship and in covenant family with each other. That's what the church of Jesus Christ, one of the dimensions of, and dynamics of, of, of the power of it is supposed to bring. You see, our mission as the church is to bring heaven to earth. That's why our mission statement out in the foyer reads that our mission is to advance God's kingdom across the nations. We're here to expand God's family until Jesus returns. And this was the original mandate behind Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were not just meant to bunker down and stay in Eden, but they're actually meant to work it, cultivate it and extend the power of the kingdom of God, the power of Eden across the earth. And so this was the original mandate that now is fulfilled through Jesus in the Great Commission. So Jesus said to the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you've received power from on high. And after you've received power, go in all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations. So the mandate to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1 it's not about just popping out babies and reproducing families, all right, in the natural, but it's about the purpose and intention and seed of the kingdom of heaven multiplying across the earth. That's now fulfilled in Matthew 28 in going to all the world and make disciples of all nations. Unless we think the job is done in an age of modern technology where the reach is greater than ever before, I was in Poland years ago ministering and they tell me in Poland that there are 43,000 villages that have one to 4,000 people in them that have never in the history of Poland, a thousand years, have never had an evangelical church planted in it. That's just in one European nation on the face of the earth, let alone the thousands of unreached people groups that are all over the earth let alone our own country of Australia becoming increasingly secularised where we have children and teenagers and even young adults who have never heard the gospel even one time in their life. You see, the same gospel that we've heard maybe a thousand times, some people have never heard one time. And, and God has called us, He's given us in essence not only His Holy Spirit but an apostolic mandate. An apostle was a sent one. And so the word apostolos was used, it's a Roman term, even though it was a Greek term in the New Testament, but it was a Roman concept and idea used for an armada of ships, a fleet of ships sent to extend the Roman Empire across the earth. And so the commander or the admiral in chief would be the apostle, the sent one, to go and establish Roman rule and ideology and principles of life and infrastructure in a particular region of the conquered empire in the same way every single believer in this room has apostolic DNA. You are a sent one. You're sent out by the Holy 
Holy Spirit to be salt and light in a world of pepper and darkness that desperately needs the reality of the truth of who Jesus is. And so we are sent to them to extend the kingdom of God. So if Jesus sent us to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, we better know what the kingdom of God is. And we better know what it isn't. And so at our home, we have a TV that's connected to an audio system that sometimes uh, the sound drops out because it gets its wires crossed and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a movie or something and and, uh, the mute button will go on and it, it can be quite frustrating in the same way. I think one of the reasons why the message of the kingdom of God is often on mute in our lives and in the church is because we get our wires crossed as to what the gospel of the kingdom actually is. And sometimes in order to understand what the kingdom is, we have to understand what it isn't. And in the first week of our series, we talked about highlighting some of the distortions of the kingdom. I just want to recap for one moment some of the distorted ideas about the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, St. Augustine uh, promoted this idea that the kingdom of God was established through political rule over society. And so the kingdom of God can be measured by money, military and might and, and the church and state were very much intertwined. But in fact, according to Augustine, the church was actually to rule the state and to direct the affairs of the state. Well, the Bible tells us that that's not necessarily, that's not the kingdom of God because Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. And whilst the kingdom of God has answers and can speak into the political space and we're living at a time where it needs to more than ever before, the kingdom of God is not a political party to come and rule the the affairs of man. Not only that, but there's the historical view of the kingdom, which essentially is focused on only what God did in history, not what he's doing today. And so uh, we can uh, only read about the kingdom through the pages of history and what God did in the old covenant, what God did in the new covenant, but it has no relevance to today. And yet Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now here. It's at hand, meaning kingdom now rather than just kingdom past or even kingdom future. And so the future view, the opposite view of that, the future view of the kingdom is that the kingdom can only be experienced at the end of the age or when you and I die in the afterlife and it's not relevant now. And yet, as you've just heard, Jesus came to establish a kingdom on earth in people's hearts. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And so the kingdom of heaven is something to be accessed, experienced and lived in right now. The social view of the kingdom is a kingdom that centers exclusively on relieving social injustice and social ills, often ignoring the spiritual dimension of people's lives. How many of us know you can minister to the needs of poverty, minister to the injustices and the social issues in our culture without actually ever addressing the need for people to repent of their sin and to come into right relationship with God? And so the kingdom of God is not just about social action and righting the wrongs of social issues in our society, even though the Bible has answers for that and solutions for that and encourages us to be engaged in our communities. The kingdom of God is essentially about bringing us back to understanding how what happens in our own hearts and our relationship with God then translates to how we live in the world around us. The motivational gospel is this idea that the kingdom of God is all about me. 
It's a self-help gospel that is actually all about helping you live your best life now. It's actually void of supernatural power. It's void of any conviction of sin. It doesn't tend to convict people of any of their dysfunction. It sort of just overcompensates by performance orientation, helping us to just become more successful in life and all about living our best life now. And while the kingdom of God and the gospel has solutions for the practical areas of our everyday life, it, it, this gospel fails to, uh, to acknowledge that there is an eternity and there is an afterlife and that actually how we live in this lifetime is actually preparing us for a blessed eternity and our choices that we make in this lifetime really do matter. It's not just about now, but it's about the kingdom that is to come in the fullness of, of the consummation of Jesus' return. And so the good news that Jesus preached when he came Matthew 4, declaring the gospel of the kingdom, he declared basically the king is here. Jesus is here. The son of God is here and he's here to defeat Satan and sin and death and he's here to restore dominion that was lost to creation and he's here to reconcile lost and broken people back into right relationship with the father. So we learned that the kingdom of God is wherever King Jesus is, wherever The king's rule and will and authority is in full expression in our lives and in the earth. That's where the kingdom of God is. And so when we proclaim the kingdom of God and we use our words, not just our actions, not just our good intentions, but our words to share with people the hope that we have in our hearts, We're telling people that God, our heavenly Father, loves them so much that He gave His one and only Son. And that Son, Jesus Christ, is not just an historical figure. That Son, Jesus Christ, is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Jesus is King. And Jesus came to live, to die and to rise again. He came to forgive us of all our sin. And Jesus now has defeated death. And we celebrate that at Easter time, three days after he died, he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, conquering death itself. Jesus came to restore authority to every single believer in Him and He came to renew our purpose and lost identity into sonship and to understand that every single one of us has a role in God's kingdom. And so if we're gonna declare that, proclaim that and use our words, I'd encourage you to access our evangelism course, Sharing Jesus Confidently, because I believe every single believer It must know how to share Jesus confidently. And if ever there's a time and a need in our world where we need to share Jesus and what He's done in our lives and what the gospel of the kingdom is confidently, now is the time. Let's be a people that have a reason for the hope that we have in a hopeless world. Let's be a people that can articulate what we've experienced in our own lives. And often we don't talk about the kingdom. We don't talk about what Jesus has done, not because there isn't a heart to or an intention to, but maybe we're intimidated and we just need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit again. Maybe also it's because we don't know how to articulate it or package it in a way that can actually help people understand what God has done in our life. But that's why we gather together, to be equipped and to be empowered, to actually go and share the gospel of the kingdom confidently. 
You see, as we proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, we must understand that proclamation and demonstration go hand in hand. They are not separate to each other. Notice in this passage, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says, He sent them out to proclaim and to heal. One wasn't separate from the other. You'll never see the commission to proclaim separated from the call to demonstrate. And often the church has spoken a lot, but hasn't actioned a lot. Because we've divorced, we've separated this call to proclaim from this call to demonstrate. In Matthew 10, 7, it says, Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and it follows it up. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. In Mark 18, or 16, 20, it says, They went out preaching the gospel everywhere while the Lord confirmed the message with signs and wonders. In Luke 10, 9, when Jesus sends out the 72, Jesus says, heal the sick in it and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I remember a couple of years ago, visited a barber shop in Paran and, and the whole time the barber was complaining about their shoulder. And, and I'm like, we're gonna have to heal this shoulder in Jesus' name, I need a good haircut. And so uh, there was other reasons I wanted to help her. And so I just said, hey, she knew I was a person of faith and, and that I was in ministry here. And I said, hey, can, can I pray for your shoulder? And she sort of looked at me strange and said, yeah, sure. And so we stopped right there in the middle and laid hands upon her shoulder and just prayed a very simple prayer that in Jesus' name, I command this shoulder to be healed as gentle as that, but using the authority of the power of the name of Jesus in that moment. And over the course of the next few moments, her shoulder started to heat up. She started to feel a bit, a bit better about life. And I was really happy about that because I got a decent haircut on that day. And, and it was a win-win scenario. Win for her, win for me. But often we, we, we think that we have to somehow be sort of, you know, super spiro or super qualified to be able to proclaim and demonstrate. But you just need to understand there is power in the King's Word to heal the sick, save the lost and restore broken humanity in himself, to Himself. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of the king is, there is power. I love that verse. Where the word of the king is, there is power. Who is our king? Jesus. And when we declare the same gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached, there is inherent power within it to heal the sick and to restore broken humanity back to Himself. Wherever Jesus went, proclamation was followed by demonstration. You see, we need to learn to proclaim the Kingdom of God with confidence because the harvest is ready for reaping now. Jesus said in John 4.35, Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Too often, I think we're guilty of praying for the harvest rather than reaping the harvest. Jesus never said to pray for the harvest. He said, the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. He said, pray for labourers. The issue is labourers. The issue are those who already have been enlightened by the truth of the gospel to see that their salvation isn't just about them, but it's about those who are still far away from Jesus. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers of few pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. One of the greatest prayers you can pray is God, not just send them, but send me. 
Send me to my workplace. Send me to my family. Send me to my neighbourhood. Send me to my sports club. Send me to my cafe. Send me and help me to be on the lookout for those who desperately need the truth of what I have. You see, early 2020, um, some of us on staff, we were in Perth and we were preparing for Numa Perth and uh, we were going to an interest meeting and uh, we ordered an Uber car and the Uber driver uh, turned up and we all jumped in the car and within 10 minutes, it was clear that as this person was asking us questions, what were we doing in Perth? And as we began to unpack, you know, we're preparing to plant a church here and, and uh, uh, Pastor Jason Staggers, who's now our Numa Perth location pastor, before he knew it, he was in deep. He started to share his story and his testimony and the, the power of the gospel in everyday language for this person to access. And within 10 minutes, he, this Uber driver didn't know what he had just got himself into. He was in the throne zone. He was in the middle of the kingdom of God. And, and Jason prayed with him at the end. And whilst the guy didn't necessarily made a profession of faith, there was a prayer that I believe this man was like a person of peace that Jesus Jesus was talking about. You see, the Bible tells us that people are more ready than we realise. We're going to be on the lookout for the person of peace. Who's the person of peace? In Luke 10, 5, Jesus said, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace, a person of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. What often happens is we get discouraged and are in despair because we invited someone to an event at church or we shared our faith and we got rejected. And we didn't like the feelings that were attached to that. And so we went, I'm never sharing again. I felt awkward. It felt uncomfortable. And yet Jesus said, even in Luke chapter 9, that if wherever they do not receive you, don't crawl into a cave and a bunker and shut down the message. Just shake the dust off your feet, get the dirt off your shoulder and just move on to the next person of peace that is open. I mean, even recently, late, late last year, Kai and I were in Canberra. I was preaching at a, a church there and uh, on the Monday before to catch the flight, we're downtown Canberra and we're walking around and uh, God puts this man in a business suit on my heart and I go up to him and introduce myself and, and uh, I wanted to, uh, I offered to pray with him and just started to share a bit of my story. And he sit, looked back at me and he said, I'd prefer you not pray for me. Go and help someone who looks worse off than me. And so I felt completely shut down and rejected. But I thought, oh, well, you're lost. Dirt off your shoulder, shake your feet off, go to the next person of peace. Because for every one, there's five people that have been open to having a conversation about the kingdom of God and what Jesus has done in our life. Let's not be a church that has the mute button on in 2021. But let's have a reason for the hope that we have. If someone rejects you, don't take it personally. They rejected your Saviour. Just move on to the next one and reach out to those who are open to hear the Gospel of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Why? Because every single one of us is vital to someone's path to the Kingdom. Everything we say and do matters because our words and our actions are like seeds planted in the soil of people's hearts. And like the parable of the sower, sometimes that seed is planted in good soil, produces fruit, brings that person to 
amazing abundance of life in the kingdom. Sometimes that seed is choked out by the cares and affairs of this world. Sometimes that seed falls upon a stony heart and it doesn't really take root and go anywhere. You're not responsible for the response of the soil to inhabit the seed for it to grow. You're responsible to keep scattering the seed. And I've just learned the more you scatter the seed, the more chances and percentages are you're gonna reach some more people. It's like John Wimber who was uh, wanting a ministry of healing and he prayed for like a thousand people before he got his first recorded miracle. And he just began to pray and pray and he had rejection after rejection after rejection. But after that thousand and first prayer, all of a sudden a healing ministry began to break out and everywhere he prayed, people were getting healed. Some of you shared your faith 20 times, 10 times, two times, got rejected. But I'm telling on the third time, on the 11th time, on the 21st time, there is someone that is the person of peace that is gonna respond and God is sending you. There is no cavalry, there is no backup that God is He's sending, He's sending you. And apparently you and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and your story is enough because it's transformed the world for the last 2,000 years. And if Jesus can use disciples like Peter, foot in mouth disease and, and James and John, the sons of thunder who are so zealous that they bring the cringe factor into everything. If Jesus can use ordinary fishermen and ordinary people throughout the New Testament, He can use you and I. We're all called to it. We're all a part of it. Romans 10, 14 says, how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? You know, when we hear that word preaching, we often think of a pastor on a platform preaching the Word and we think that's their job and my job's different. And yet you need to understand that Jesus' call to proclaim the kingdom isn't just for pastors, it's for every believer because every believer has been given a platform. You say, well, what's my platform? Your platform's your workplace. Oh, but the, the, the rule book says, the policy says we're not allowed to share our faith. Yeah, but when you take your work colleague out for lunch and you're just having a relationship and you share your story, that's where the power of the gospel of the kingdom becomes reality. Your platform could be your computer. You work on your computer most of the day. That's your platform. Your platform could be a cafe, a sports club, your neighbourhood, your next door neighbours. Let, let's begin where we are. That's our platform. Wherever you are, that's your platform. My platform isn't just here on a Sunday when I minister the Word. My platform is at my son's uh, soccer club. My platform is when I work out with the personal trainer. My platform is wherever I go, wherever you go, you take the kingdom with you. Wherever you go, your platform goes with you. God's given every single one of us a platform and whatever platform God has given to you, turn it into a place of proclamation. Turn it into a place of demonstration. Don't use your platform simply for self-satisfaction. Use it for proclamation. Use it for demonstration. And you watch what God does through your life. That there will be people that will point to you in years to come and in eternity saying, I'm here because of them. I'm here because of them. I'm amazed wherever I go and minister the word to people. Someone comes up and goes, I heard you preach this on this day. I saw this, uh, I heard this podcast or I was at that conference where you prophesied of me. And, and, and some of us, we have no idea the eternal impact that we're making in people's lives. But if we don't step out from where we are and actually go to them, 
then the truth and the power of that will never be lived in people's lives. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.